You, you want to see something really scary? What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to episode 191 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. And uh, we are back uh, with a shorter episode, hopefully. <laughs> I, I would be shocked if we could talk about these movies for four hours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I hope you guys liked that episode, our, our all Ghostbusters all the time episode. Um, ran four hours, or like a few minutes short of four hours, I think. Yeah, we just busted all over the place. Because, <laughs> you know, busting makes us feel good. Yeah. It was like the end of Ghostbusters, where there was just white stuff raining from the sky. Ectoplasm. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, yeah. So we'll we'll keep this one to a, a normal length. Uh, Taylor is not. Well, it's not that he's not feeling well. He's just. I feel fine. Yeah. I just sound like shit. <laughs> yeah. So we'll try to limit his talking. I guess. Yeah. I'll do sign language. That's good for podcast. Sure. Yeah. And for me, who, you know, is fluent in, in sign language. Right. Just like I am. Sure. <laughs> uh, well, anyway. Max did teach me some, though. Like, he taught me this is 69. <laughs> <laughs> this is sex. I know that. Or something like that. I don't know. I think it's this, isn't it? No. That's. <laughs> <laughs> this is intercourse. Um. Which I guess if that's sixty nine, that makes sense because it's a similar hand gesture. Yeah, uh, but no, me and my friend from high school, um, I don't even remember how it came about, like how we learned it, why we learned it, you know, where it came from. I don't remember, but for some reason, we just started doing beautiful turtle sex. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know. I have no explanation. <laughs> it's like not even that funny. It's just stupid. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so yeah, what's 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 new, Taylor? Um, not much. Cool. Seen any good movies? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> bad we're, small talk. We're gonna be we're gonna be doing talking about two movies later. So right. I guess that's uh. You know, I mean, we can talk about it now, I guess, if you want. I just completely reorganize the entire podcast, but. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, you went to the Kraken the other day. Or was it last night? It was last night. Yeah. How was that? It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, they came back. They were down 4-1, and they came back and tied it. So it was really exciting, but then they ended up losing in overtime. Ah. Well, that'll happen. Yeah, they're not very good. I know the game in construction is very similar to soccer. Yeah. Uh, somewhat. Do they, I, I, I know 
somewhat i know how hockey is played more or less what i don't know is like the finer details like can they end in a tie like soccer can no okay um if it's a tie then they go to overtime which is sudden death and if it's still tied after overtime and they and it's only three on three named after the jean-claude van damme movie obviously (laughs) um and it's only three on three in overtime okay and then if it's still tied then they go to shootouts okay i guess i knew that that they that could come down to shootouts, um, which seems so like I don't know childish. I guess like <laughs> like like a kid's game. It's like well, neither of us is getting anywhere. Let's just let's just shoot pucks until we can get one in. <laughs> till somebody misses. <laughs> is it till somebody misses or till somebody scores? Um, well, I mean, it's got to it's both. Okay. Okay. Because, like, if, you know, if you made it and then I made it, then we got to keep going. Sure. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> Neat. And you get one point for an overtime loss. Because they do, like, points rankings like soccer does. Mm. So you get two points for a win and one point for an overtime loss. Why wouldn't you get no points? That, yeah, you lost. Like, you, you get nothing. Good day, sir. Or I guess, okay, so they're kind of awarding you for at least making it this far. Making it into overtime. Right. Okay. Well, I guess that makes a little sense. I mean, I guess if you can't end in ties, then... The whole points ranking system is so strange to me. Like, I don't... I can't understand it. Of course, when you talk about, like, football and, like, oh, well, you know, these people won this many games in this in this, this, in this division, so it puts them that much higher than yeah, this other team. Yeah, when to the tiebreakers... Like, oh, this is getting so confusing. Yeah. Why can't it just be whoever won the most games? Because what if they won the same amount? Then do shootout. <laughs> <laughs> just kick field goals. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, yeah. No. Could you imagine? Just like playoffs start next week, but we got to determine seating. So Jason Myers and Adam Vinatieri are going to kick field goals to see who gets the number one. <laughs> It's like, get the fuck out there and earn that paycheck. <laughs> you only work like half a dozen times in a game. Seriously. Um, yeah. Uh, what's new with me? Oh, I went, I went to uh, Emerald City Comic Con. I, I think that was after our last episode, right? We didn't talk about it, so. Okay. Well, yeah, I went there. Um, it's the first time I've been since you and I went. However many years ago. Many. It was was many years. Um, But it was, like, I know two conventions, because I've only been to two. Emerald City Comic Con and Crypticon. Crypticon, by comparison, is about a quarter of the size (laughs) of Emerald City. Um, And so, you know... We could probably walk that place backwards or blindfolded because we've been there so many times. We kind of know where everything is. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but Emerald City is just so immense that it's, it's at like, the convention center, right? Yeah. And it's like it's in the convention center in the main convention center building. Then it's also in the Sheraton across the street and the conference center across the other street. <laughs> it is enormous. The. Expansion to the convention center isn't open yet, right? No, they're still building that. That's what I thought. <clears throat> um, uh, but yeah, it's 
immense and there's like so much to see there um you know particularly if you're someone like me who's like into art and like buying and collecting not necessarily fine art but you know this kind of stuff <laughs> um it uh i mean it's it's a four-day event and it's like i don't know that i could spend all four days there but i was there two days and i spent most of it just look trying to like look around and see all the art and stuff like that um didn't really go to any panels did you see john cena i didn't see john cena of course he did (laughs) walked into that one uh i did see jim lee though jim lee is uh for those of you don't know he was the um Right now, he's the head publisher of um, of DC Comics, but he got a start in, at Marvel. He basically, like all those '90s <clears throat> X Men, like the X Men animated series, he made, he did all those designs because a lot of those guys existed prior to that. But he, when they hired him to do X Men, he redesigned the entire crew. See, I would I would want to talk to the guy who did the theme song. <laughs> <clears throat> Um, yeah, he, that shit is iconic. <laughs> and he, uh, he co-created Gambit. Um, then he went on to image comics after that, um, and started a uh, wild storm. Um, and then from there he actually sold wild storm to DC comics and, you know, he was an artist there and then he kind of rose through the ranks and now he basically runs the whole show. Um, so, uh, he's, yeah, he's always been a huge inspiration for me as an artist. Um, and now that I've gotten back into art in the last year or so, um, you know, it kind of reignited my appreciation for him. So he was there. Um, I actually got him to sign this book. Um, it, it belonged to my brother because um, my brother was an artist too. And again, also very inspired by Jim Lee. Um, and he had this b- art book is like, all of Jim Lee's art, um, DC and, uh, and Wildstorm art. Um, it's about, I think over 10 years old, something like that. Um, anyway, so I took it to him and had him sign it and, uh, told him, you know, told him a little bit about my brother and said, this is my brother's book. And, uh, it means a lot to me that you were, you were signing it right now. So, um, that was nice. And then, yeah, just kind of moseyed around. You didn't Chris Farley yet like you did when you met Tony Todd? No. <laughs> no, I didn't. Remember when you were on that show? <laughs> well, it's like... It was awesome. <laughs> you know... Is that yeah. it? Is that the book? Yeah, right here. <clears throat> um, it's... Uh, if you're talking to, like... I don't mean to use this in a diminutive fashion, but like the lower rank comic book artists, you know, they're sitting at their tables. They're very approachable. Um, a lot of them will sign. Like if you have a comic book that they did, they'll usually sign it for free. Most of them. Um, but even if they do, it's like, it's not much like 10 to $20 for an autograph. Um, and, uh, but you know, he Jim Lee, he had his own personal signing, like where you had to buy a ticket in advance, and wait in line, and then you file through this room, 
Yeah, because of COVID and everything, it's all very kind of uh, impersonal. Yeah. But, you know, he, he was taking time to kind of just chat with everybody a little bit, you know, not for very long. Um, so it, it was nice. And he's a really nice guy. Um, I watch his Twitch streams um, when he when he does them. He doesn't do them very often anymore, but... Uh, it's uh you know he's 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 a funny guy really dry humor so uh it was nice to meet him um and you know it's like you know they say don't meet your heroes but i think in in that case someone like him it's it's actually a good thing to meet him cuz if you're passionate about art and he's very encouraging things like that so he said some nice words it's like i i told him that my brother and i are very influenced by him you know, explain the book, explain my brother had passed away seven years ago. And when, when he died, I kind of didn't really do much art anymore. But then when I found his art stream on Twitch, it kind of started me up again. And I've, I've been, you know, drawing frequently ever since. And he's like, you know, that, that's great. I'm sorry to hear about your brother, but I'm, I'm happy that I could, you know, have some part in, in sparking your creativity. So yeah, it was it was nice. But anyway, plug your Twitch. Hmm? Plug your Twitch. Oh well, my Twitch is Skeletony Art. Just twitch.com slash Skeletony Art. I don't get a chance to do as much as I do have been, or how, how much as much as I'd like to. Uh, I still draw, um, but actually coming in here to sit down and sit on camera, I don't really get to do it that often because of the baby. Um, lately I've just kind of been sitting out on the couch with my lap board there. But anyway, if somebody tips you enough, would you twerk on cam? Would I twerk? Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I like money. You heard him, fellas. Fellas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, like, if you want to see my art, probably the best Or place. your butt. Or, or my butt. Well... Maybe not my butt. I don't think they like that. But um, well, not bear. But just twi- just twerking. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> no, Instagram is probably the best place. Which is for your butt. For my butt. <laughs> it's uh, Instagram.com slash Skeletoni's butt. <laughs> no, again, it's Skeletoni art. All all of my social network stuff for my art is all Skeletoni art, including your website. Hmm? You have a website too, right? I do have a website. Guess what it is? <laughs> it's it's skeletonyart.com. And you know, it's like I rolled the dice on that. It's like I I used a shop service, like an online shop service to provide the website and then I paid I think it was Google to for for the URL. The name, yeah. Um yeah, I just kind of rolled the dice on that. I don't know if I'll ever make any money doing it, but you know, it's out there. And I'll constantly be adding more stuff. Not that little one, though, as much as I want to. <laughs> That's a commission, and I can't. Uh, like, I, I could I could make a scan of it and sell, try to sell it on my site and, you know, just give the original to the client, but... It's kind of a dick move. Yeah. It's like they paid me for that. Right. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I was really happy with how that turned out. It looks good. This is this is my first attempt. Like it started out good and then it just fell apart. <clears throat> anyway. Uh yeah. So yeah, that that's 
That's the life and times of Tony. Yay. Taking a week off. Christmas is coming up here uh, in the next couple of weeks. I'm taking Christmas Eve through New Year's Day off. Nice. Yeah, I fucking need it. <laughs> like, working full-time with a baby is just so exhausting. Yeah, I bet. Especially because, like, over the last couple of months, I've been having, like, new duties given to me at work. Um, you say nude duties? Nude duties. Just naked people pooping? It's like, here, Tony, could you take this? I guess. Just add it to the pile. It's not in my job description, but you know what? Fine. Um. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, guys. Guess what? We're on Spotify now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's big news for us. Because for so long, every, at the end of every episode, Taylor says, check us out on all your podcast sites except for Spotify. <laughs> now we don't say that anymore. Yeah. yeah. You know what sparked it for me was like so many people, and I'm sure you get this too, so many people are like, see, I, I walked into uh, the convenience store and I had my mask on, and he's like, "What's that on your mask?" I'm like, "Oh, it's my podcast." He's like, "Oh yeah, you guys talk about like true crime and stuff." I'm like, <laughs> "No, we we talk about horror movies." He's like, "Oh yeah, man, I need that in my life." I'm like, "Oh cool, yeah." He's like, "Are you guys on like Spotify?" I'm like, "No, we're actually everywhere except Spotify." Spotify's pushing podcasts hard. They really are. Might as well change your name to Potify at this point. <laughs> Um, and that, that's what made me text you and like, why aren't we on Spotify? Did we just assume we couldn't be? Yes. <laughs> Cause they have, they have a, a box that explicitly states, I own the rights to everything on my podcast. And I'm like, I don't want to check that box. <laughs> I, I mean, our, our podcast has always been kind of a gray area as far as fair use goes. Cause we are kind of like, I mean, fair use itself is a gray area. Right. And it's like, you know, our podcast is mostly like news. That, that's, I, I think if you had to classify us into uh, you know, a subgenre, I guess, or, a, you know, just a classification in general, it would be podcast, I think. Or sorry, um, yes. news. <laughs> um, news and, and media, I guess, would probably be the best explanation. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, like radio stations and stuff. They use little clips of music all the time. And, you know, I don't know if they're licensing that or what, but, um, so yeah. But regardless, we're on Spotify now. Yeah. I was telling my wife uh, about it and just kind of explaining fair use. And just like, you know, we can say we're fair use and, you know, by all means, I think we are, but, if a record company were to come after us and be like, Hey, you can't use our music anymore. We're not, we can't fight that. No, we, we, we could try to say fair use, but they're going to be like, uh, no. And that's, that basically be the, yeah. the end of it. Um, anyway, so yeah, Spotify, we may have some other, uh, podcast news coming in, in the future too. We just might. That's uh, it's on the back burner for now. Right. Probably till next year. Oh yeah. Um. Anyway. Anyway. Uh. So I guess before we get into the show proper, I want to thank our grave diggers over on Patreon. 
these lovely folks help finance this silly little show of ours uh because you know it's not expensive but we got bills to pay we got to pay for websites we got to pay for uh hosting fees and and, and whatnot uh and it, you know these people's contributions go a long way to helping um these lovely folks i'm talking about are jordan morrison kevin trent carlos rodella carlos rodella gory b movie max zaleski aaron meyer bob Voorhees, and kevin nesgoda thank you so much guys from the bottom of our hearts uh it means the world to us taylor if anybody else wants to join the party where can they go and go to patreon.com slash grave plot podcast you can get perks for as little as $1, including joining us live for Horror Business on our Discord channel. Uh, you can also get discounts on Grave Plot merchandise and uh, your name in the episode, like all those people that Tony just read, and uh, more. And more. Just a vague hand gesture. And the rest. Cool. Um... Also, don't forget about the 2022 Great Plot Film Fest. Uh, tickets are on sale now. Yeah. Greatplotfilmfest.com. Uh, you watched any yet? I have not. I've watched a handful. I still got a, a ways to go, though. Yeah, it's nice that we don't have as many this year. Yeah. So hopefully it won't be as big of an undertaking. Because, <laughs> um, you know, sitting around and... Working, doing podcasts, taking care of a baby. Twerking on camera. Twerking on camera. And watching short films. It's a lot to pack into a, yeah. into a day. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, we don't have this as, as, as horror business, but do want to mention that just last night, last night being Saturday the 11th, um, found out that uh, author Anne Rice died. Um, she, of course, is the author of the Vampire Chronicles, you know, um, uh, b- 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 interview with the vampire and, you know, the vampire Lestat and, um, you know, that, that whole series of books, um, am- among others, but I think probably her, her biggest claim to fame are the Vampire Chronicles. Um, I mean, she was just recently like putting together a TV show for it. Like she was part of the the build for it yeah um you know this appears to have been very unexpected um i it's and it was very recent i believe she just died yesterday because her son went on her social networks and um announced that she had passed uh sounds like complications from a stroke um so yeah that's that's a that's a big hit to the literary world. Yeah, that's a sad one. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I only read a handful of her books. Um, and they, I mean, I think I enjoy the movies a little more than the books, personally. Just they're more consumable, I guess. Um, but no, very well, real, yeah, very well written. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's, that's a loss. And I know a lot of... Um, it's a real kick in the knackers, bro. <laughs> Just a real ouchie, bro. Uh, I know a lot of our author friends are feeling that because most of our author friends are horror authors. So. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, our hearts go out to her uh, family and friends. Not that any of them are listening, but. You don't know. It's 
It's the thought that counts. We're on Spotify now. Maybe they are. (laughs) Okay. Now. Let's do some more business. All right, starting out in real world horror. Um, what is this, Mexico? Spain. Um, so, yeah, over in Spain, in, in the town of uh, Ferrol. Um, I can't roll my tongue. Ferrol. Taylor can roll his tongue. Ladies. Fucking <laughs> ladies. <laughs> fucking call me. <laughs> I'm shitty. <laughs> Um, so those are my favorite jokes because I'm I'm certain that the people who made those jokes wouldn't get these jokes. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah, you know, you think of a hospital as a place of healing, not necessarily a place of death, although death does happen. And you know, particularly in a in a place like Spain, where there's a large Catholic Christian community, uh, you know. A hospital is a place where people will probably exercise their faith very strongly. Um, and looking out for bad omens <laughs> is probably one of the things that they are privy to, such as hundreds of birds just falling out of the sky dead <laughs> outside of a hospital. Uh, this ha- uh, happened at the Juan Card- Cardona hospital in the city of Farrell. Uh, for reasons yet undetermined, uh, approximately 200 starlings suddenly perished in midair and plummeted onto the pavement, parked cars, and stunned onlookers. I should say so. What the fuck? <laughs> Jesus! He just got hit with a fucking bird! <laughs> Is he someone flew- throwing dead birds? <laughs> he flew right into your head. Like he couldn't avoid it. <laughs> Never seen that before. <laughs> Bird flying into a woman's head. <laughs> I've been watching Seinfeld because it's on Netflix and I have nothing else to do. Um, and it's like I keep waiting for that episode to come. <laughs> um, uh, a mystified witness said the, uh, to the a mystified witness to the nightmare scene indicated that the birds came out of the trees in the emergency area of the hospital. Briefly took to the sky and then just as quickly fell to the ground. I cannot explain this. Like, <laughs> no, like, I like if it was like an illness or something, it wouldn't happen all at once like that. Yeah. And if somebody was like shooting them or something, and you'd think you would hear it. Right. And like, you know, if they were in, um, like uh, like a toxic cloud. If they were like uh, you know surrounded by carbon dioxide or something, or monoxide, or I guess either one really, um, they wouldn't all just keel over at the same time. Right. They would probably drop off, you know, in, in a trickle pattern. Yeah. For them to all die at the same time. Bizarre. Um. An official with the city told local media outlet that the birds have been collected and we are now waiting to find out what happened, but cautioned that we are told it won't be easy. Yeah, because it doesn't make any fucking sense. Right. 
A similar case took place in Spain, España, uh, back in February, uh, as well as a headline-making incident in Wales from 2019, wherein hundreds of starlings, so maybe, it's just something something about starlings, uh, also died under the same mysterious circumstances. That is so strange. You know, I mean... I don't know. You know, birds as a flock are so tight knit. You know, I mean, you just watch them fly through the air. They could turn on a dime like in a, as a unit. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just something about that kind of like hive mind. Maybe there was just like a fucking Jonestown in that tree. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people always say drink the Kool-Aid, but it, wasn't Kool-Aid, actually. It was flavored. Yeah, we know. You brought this up on the show before. Did I? Yeah. Just fairly recently, too. I know we were talking about... Oh, oh that was part of the story. That, that doesn't seem like something I would just bring up out of the blue. Well, no, you were just like, hey, have you heard? <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, weird, wild stuff. Yep. Yeah, I mean, like, aside from just, like, this, like I said, like, a hive mind thing, like, where one of us dies, we all die, like, lemmings or something. Oh, I mean, that's falling off a cliff, but I don't know. I just, I have nothing. Yeah, it's super weird. Uh, So watch out for falling birds. Yeah, if you are in an area where there are a lot of starlings, fucking carry an umbrella. Yeah. So I, I think we talked about this when it was first announced. Yeah. Uh, but they're making a movie based on Renfield, who, of course, in, in Bram Stoker's Dracula was... Uh, he, he wasn't exactly a familiar, cause, right? Because he was locked up, but he had like a mind meld with Dracula. I mean, you could use the term familiar, I guess. He's, yeah, basically... Um, he, he was tranced in, you know... Enslaved's not the right word, I guess, but I don't know. For simplicity's sake, you could say he was a familiar. Okay. Well, they're making a movie based solely on Renfield. Uh, Deadline explained the project, which is being produced by Robert Kirkman and is also based on a pitch from Kirkman. Uh, In the original Dracula novel, R.M. Renfield was an inmate at a lunatic asylum who was thought to be suffering from delusions, but is actually a servant of Dracula. Yeah. And I feel like it's never really stated, at least not in in things like this, but Renfield was actually a real estate solicitor like Jonathan Harker was. He worked with Jonathan Harker. Mm Mm-hmm. He went to Transylvania to went set up, mad. yeah, to basically the same reason Jonathan Harker went to Transylvania to set up Dracula's estate in London. Um, but yeah, instead he came back as a lunatic. I feel like a lot of people don't either don't know that or you know things like this they don't discuss that part of it. Yeah. Uh, plot details for the new one are currently unknown, though it's believed to take place during the present day and is not a period piece. So. Renfield will have cell phones. 
That's how you know, guys. Uh, it's also said to be a modern-day adventure story that is comedic in tone. Well, when you have Ryan Ridley writing the script. Yeah, Ryan Ridley of Rick and Morty wrote the script, uh, and Chris McKay of The Tomorrow War, which I don't know I know that one, is uh, set to direct. That's um, that Chris Pratt movie on oh. Amazon. Yeah, I never watched it. It was okay. I mean, it was typical, you know, big budget CGI fest. Yeah. Um, Nicholas Holt, who you may know from uh, The Great, or he was in Warm Bodies. Uh, X-Men, he played Beast. Okay. Uh, he will be playing the, t- the titular Renfield. Uh, also joining the cast is Aquafina. Although no word yet on what her role is going to be. Uh, she's from Crazy Rich Asians, Shang-Chi. Uh, and playing Dracula is the one, the only, the incomparable Nicholas fucking Cage. This is, guys, seriously, I'm going to be honest here. This is the best news I've heard since my son was born. <laughs> like, it doesn't get much better than this. It's I like I don't know where he's gonna take it. It says it's gonna be comedic in tone, so I don't know if he's just gonna be you know Taylor. I don't know if he's gonna be Nick fucking Cage. You know where he's gonna take it? He's gonna take it to the fucking top. He's gonna he's gonna take it to the limit. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna go all the way and he's gonna go a little further. Because that's what Nick Cage does. But I feel like whether he just goes bonkers or plays it totally straight, I think he can pull off either. Uh yeah, I mean, no, I mean he... And especially in recent years, people have regarded him as this just like go-to crazy guy. Right. Like guy who can just fly off the handle and sell it. But, you know, and you go back to like the 80s where he had a very prolific uh, comedic career. And then into like the 90s, early 2000s, before he started getting into like goofy action movies like Con Air and Face and Off, Rock and Face Off. You know, before he started doing shit like that, he had a very good dramatic career. Um, and uh, he he's he's a good actor. <laughs> People like the fact that he, you know, does so much over the top shit. I think. People often lose sight of the fact that he can actually act. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's a Coppola. Well, yeah. I hope at some point he's like, oh, I'm a bad. I'm a sexy bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. That's all I want out of this. <laughs> and I hope he barks like a dog. <laughs> By the way, guys, if you haven't seen Mom and Dad, please do yourself a favor and go watch it. <laughs> please do yourself a favor. And it is the cagiest. Oh man, that is Cage at his finest. That is, that is Cage unleashed. Yeah, it is Cage uncaged. Like you want to think about like Nicholas Cage being that fucking batshit crazy person that he's represented as that's mom and dad is the one <clears throat> um i mean honestly i can't think of another one that's that close wally's wonderland but he doesn't even talk in that that's true <laughs> when he's playing pinball he's just like... <laughs> <laughs> i mean like 
in uh, Face Off when he's when he's Caster Troy, like his actual per- actual self. Um, he's like really over the top. Yeah, but nowhere near like mom and dad. No. Um. Anyway. So yeah, I'm I'm very into this. For sure. Yeah. I mean, like, I'll see pretty much anything that Nicolas Cage is in. <laughs> have you watched Pig yet? I have not watched it yet. Oh, me neither. It's on Hulu though. Yeah. And like, there's no reason why I haven't watched it. I just haven't gotten around to it. <clears throat> but uh, I've heard that that is a very like he really exercises his dramatic chops yeah. in that one. It's not a goofy, weird Nicolas Cage movie. Right. Like it sounds ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, he doesn't go full cage. Right. Uh, no word yet on when this is going to be released or anything because they haven't even filmed it yet. But right. it's, uh, it's things are happening. <laughs> uh, anyway. Move on. Move on. The stars at night are big and bright. Deep in the heart of Texas, the prairie sky. So, in recent years, we've seen a lot of iterations of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it all started with the remake. Yeah, for sure. Because we had, what, two sequels to the original? Uh, well, there was two and three, and then the next generation. Was that not three? I don't think so. Hmm. I guess it doesn't really matter. Uh, I mean, but we hadn't seen a sequel to the original series since, like, what, the early to mid-90s. Um, and then, of course, there was the remake with Jessica Biel. Um, and yeah, then, three was called Leatherface. Okay. Um, it's called Leatherface, colon, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Got it. And then four was the next generation with Matthew McConaughey and... Uh, Renee Zellweger. Right. <laughs> the film they wish they could forget. Um, but yeah, and then... Then we had a prequel to the remake, the beginning. Was there also a sequel to the remake? Or was it just the beginning? I, I don't know. <laughs> and see, that's where it gets so confusing. There were so many different Leatherfaces and, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequels and all this fucking mess coming out over like the next almost 20 years yeah <laughs> like i can't even keep a track like there there are so many different timelines i don't even know where they all fit together because then you had leatherface about him as a child right did you see that no no i watched it the other well a couple weeks ago i guess any good Heh. <laughs> that's fine <laughs> i mean i don't know Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of those movies that people regard so highly, and it's just like, but this is fucking like grindhouse slop. I mean, it's fine to enjoy it, but it's not high art, guys. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Um, and so it's just like, yeah, that's. I mean, this is a little less uh, over the top and and messy than the original, but sure, yeah, it's it's a Leatherface movie, whatever. All right. <laughs> um. Anyway, but 
I'd love to say that this is going to be like the the quintessential follow up, but it's probably not. It'll probably, probably not. change again. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is coming to Netflix in February. No the. No no the just. But nobody ever says the. I know. Just like nobody says a nightmare on Rent Elm Street. That's true. Or the Friday the Thirteenth. Like. <laughs> yeah, I mean that one. That one makes more sense. <laughs> Because it's not real. <laughs> right. Love <laughs> Um, The Fide Alvarez produced Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is a sequel to the original Toby Hooper film, will be slicing its way onto the streaming service on February 18th, 2022. So just retconning. Everything. All the original. Well, yeah, I mean, all all the fucking remakes and Chop Top and all Dennis the, Hopper. And, yeah, all the sequels, all the remakes, all the pre boots and side boots and Did you say side boobs, side side boobs. <laughs> um, all of that, all wiped away, supposedly. <laughs> um, and yeah, now we're gonna get a direct follow up. They're basically Halloweening it. Yeah, exactly. Which is, that's the thing now. Yeah. Uh, what else has that happened with? Exorcist. They're doing it with Exorcist. Right. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre will take place in present day. So cell, cell phones. phones. Uh, the brief on it is Leatherface has been in hiding for nearly 50 years, making the movie a decades later sequel only to Toby Hooper's original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, Melody, played by Sarah Yarkin, her sister, teenage sister Lila, uh, played by Elsie Fisher, and their friends Dante and Ruth, uh, Jacob Lattimore and Nell Hudson, respectively, uh, head to the remote town of Harlow, Texas. I see it's remote, so the cell phones won't work. Right. So it's like, what's even the point? What, are they going to drive, like, hybrids? Probably. Or electric cars? That could be a problem, though, driving in a remote area, because... You can't charge an electric car. Oh, no, they don't have outlets. I mean, they have outlets, but you can't just like plug an extension cord into your car. That's not how it works. It's so... The concept... Like, I don't know electric cars like as far as like sales and what you get with it. It's like, you know, you buy a cell phone and usually you get a, a cord with it to, to charge it. Do you get one of those with a, an electric car? No, because I think they're attached to the chargers. What do you mean? Like it, it kind of looks like a gas pump that you just plug into your. See, yeah, car. that's what I'm talking about. Like, if you stop at a charging station, yeah, that's what you get. But if you don't have a charging station, like, no, you you have to buy it separately. Okay, see, that's how they get you. Yeah, yeah, I, I have a friend that has a Tesla, and he like just bought his his at home charger. Ah, okay. And apparently, it sucks. It's like super slow because he could only afford like one of the lower grade ones i'm sure and so it doesn't charge as fast as he would like well they never do things never quite work the way you want them to don't drive a tesla then (laughs) um see uh they head to the remote town of harlow texas to start an idealistic new business venture weed (laughs) right open a pot shop (laughs) But their dream soon turns into a wa- uh, waking nightmare when they accidentally disrupt the home of Leatherface. 
the deranged serial killer whose blood-soaked legacy continues to haunt the area's residents, including Sally Hardesty, the sole survivor of the infamous 1973 massacre who's hell-bent on seeking revenge. Now, is that the actress who played her in the original? No, because she's dead. Oh, well, there you go. Which seems... Olwyn Frenchy. Right. Foyer? Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, I have no idea who this person is. Hmm. Actress and writer-director. She's from Ireland. Interesting. Shut up. Stop making noise. Um, anyway. Let's see. Mark Bur- Burnham. Burnham is playing Leatherface. Not familiar. He's from Low Life. Or he is a low life. He, yeah, that's probably what it means. He's the low life. Probably just just Mark Burnham, some fucking low life is playing <laughs> Leatherface. Some fucking ne'er do well. Some vagrant. Yeah, he's just kind of a generic big guy. I mean, yeah. Or maybe, I don't know. There's a picture of him very thin and a picture of him very fat. I don't know which one's more recent. <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, David Blue Garcia, uh, directed the movie for Legendary, which was written by Chris Thomas Devlin and filmed last year. You know, I like the the very first name we got in this was Fide Alvarez and he produced it. Yeah. He did almost nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Can Um, we, uh, can we also talk about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Vigigame? We can. Yeah. Uh, Gun Media, the same people who made um, the Friday the 13th game, which was tragically put on the shelf because of fucking Drew Miller. Oh. Well, it was, no, it was all because of the fucking... Um, the, the lawsuit. Yeah. <clears throat> but who's playing Leatherface in the video game? I don't know. Oh, you didn't hear this? No. Kane Hodder. Well, fucking A. Fucking... A. I mean, I guess that makes sense because he, I think he's got you know a pretty good relationship with um, Gun, Gun Media, Media, yeah, on account of him playing Jason in the in the video game. You're right. All iterations of Jason, because you know you can play as all twelve J. No, sorry, all eleven Jasons. No, nine Jasons. Eight Jasons. <laughs> I had to think about which ones weren't in there. Friday Thirteenth through Friday Thir- through um, this baby Jason goes to hell. No. Okay, so Friday two through through nine nine. Or Jason goes not to hell. X. No, not X. They had X, um, and I've actually seen like clips on like YouTube. Um, they had the whole thing set up. They had the entire um, ship. I forget what the name, what the ship's name was, but the entire ship all mapped out, all ready to go. They had Jason, uh, you know, Uber Jason ready to go. He looked, he looked cool. Um, and then all the lawsuit shit came up and uh, they, 
um, couldn't couldn't move forward with it. Forward with it. Well, fuck. Yeah, it sucks. <clears throat> um. Anyway. But yeah, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think it's coming out sometime next year. Does it have a release? I think. It, yeah, I think it might just be the generic twenty twenty two. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, they haven't shown any gameplay yet. But you have to probably assume it's similar to Friday Thirteenth. Um, the kind of teaser trailer that they dropped, you know, looks pretty good. It's there's not much to it. Um, you know, it, it's basically the same thing you'd expect from like a movie trailer. Yeah. Uh, especially a Texas Chainsaw movie trailer you got the you know the, the camera noise mm-hmm. that's become so iconic um but yeah no i mean like i'm not a big texas chainsaw guy but i'll check this out because i even though i was really not good at <laughs> friday the 13th i had fun with it um and uh yeah there's a bit of a learning curve but it's it's a fun game so I I have to assume this will be the same, and because the rights are, I think a little more fluid. I don't know that anybody has the the rights to Leatherface or Texas Chainsaw like nailed down. I have no idea. I mean, they might have an easier time doing like updates and and stuff. So look for that, guys. So Universal has slowly been rebooting all of their classic Universal monsters. Uh, we saw the new Invisible Man. Uh, they're working on a Wolfman with Ryan Gosling. They made Dracula Untold that nobody liked. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know. But it sounds like next on the slate is the Phantom of the Opera. Uh, the project, which was just recently announced... Uh, is just called Phantom. <clears throat> it's based on a spec script by Josh Fusco with Harvey Mason Jr. of Harvey Mason Media and John Legend producing. Interesting. Uh, also, his his producing partner, Mike Jackson. Not that one. <laughs> uh, Phantom is said to be a contemporary take on the classic Gaston Luro novel, which was published in 1910. Huh? Is that you? I don't think so. I just turned off my notifications. Why is that happening? Anyway, go ahead. Uh, the new movie will be set in the French Quarter of New Orleans. <clears throat> this is set in the sultry nightlife scene of modern-day New Orleans. So, cell phones. Uh, the world of jazz, R&B, neo-soul, and funk. Fusco tells Deadline. Funk. We are the funk. The French Quarter, where New Orleans is not only known as America's most haunted city, but the music, French Creole culture, the voodoo mystique, masquerade pageantry of Mardi Gras, just lent itself to a natural adaptation of the Paris setting and a story that has revenge, unrequited love, and mystery. Yeah, and I mean, Paris, ew. (laughs) Who wants to go to France? French people. (laughs) Fucking Frenchie. 
<laughs> like every time my wife talks about France, because she went there once with her family, like I always say, oh, you know, I don't want to go to France. It's just a bunch of people riding around on their bicycles with baguettes in their little baskets and wearing their berets with their sh- black and white striped t-shirts, <laughs> little pencil-thin mustaches, smoking cigarettes like this. Just this completely generic image of France. The only good thing France ever gave us was French toast. They really nailed that one. Yeah. Like, we were like, yo, what if you just burn the bread? <laughs> that's that's toast. Or like French fries. You mean freedom fries? <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm sure everybody's heard this before, but... It, French fries actually aren't French. They're Belgian, I think. Also waffles. Waffles are also Belgian. Waffles. Yeah. Waffles are the bomb. I made waffles the other day. Are they like breakfast foods? Can you guys tell? <laughs> <laughs> like mm, French toast and waffles. Like, you know, we're in between paydays right now, so it's like you're just trying to conserve money as much as possible, especially because it's so tight around the holidays. Um, and... Rather than eating out, we're just like, we haven't done any shopping, so we don't really have much in the house. And rather than eating out, my wife's just like, do we have anything we can eat here? And I'm just like looking through the cabinet, and I found like this pumpkin pancake slash waffle mix that she had bought like <coughs> over a year ago. <laughs> it was still good, but it's just like it's just been sitting in the clo- in our pantry, not being used. It's like, uh, I mean, we have this. <laughs> That's it. So I made waffles for dinner and then i think i made pancakes the next morning just <laughs> like this is all we have right now <laughs> that's my story cool story <laughs> so phantom and waffles um yeah i, I don't know i've never been big on the phantom of the opera it's just the story itself has never been a much of an appeal to me like i like the mask, the other, mask than, other than that whatever but, like, even, even the mask is like it's like just iconic at this point yeah it's not even really all that interesting it's just no it's mask. not um unless you're talking about like the um um lon cheney mask where that was like a full mask the one you see in like the musicals, the half mask. Right. Um, the musical is not so bad, <clears throat> just because you know it's Andrew Lloyd Webber, so dope songs. Yeah. Plus, this seven. one's gonna have John Legend songs, so well, fucking a. And it's it's gonna be sexy. <laughs> um. Yep. So it's gonna be like the Phantom of the Jazz Club, like. I mean, it's just called Phantoms. They're like, there's no opera. Don't worry about it. We never said opera. Who said opera? You said that. I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, that's that's the thing about taking it out of Paris. You know, Paris, which is very well known for its opera. Mm-hmm. And its uh, baguettes and pencil-thin mustaches. And- right, and, and old wireframe bicycles. And- <laughs> Cobblestone roads. And everyone's just riding around going, ha, 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 ha. I mean, it is it is the French Quarter, right? So, but you know, there's a tie-in. 
I've never been to France, but I think the French Corner and France, very different vibes. Yeah, I saw no pencil thin mustaches when I went to the French Corner. Not one. I did see a lot of bicycles. Rented ones? Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> Nobody lives in the French Quarter. Some people do. No, no one. No. <laughs> Those houses, I, I guess maybe they're not really in the French Quarter, but like just outside the French Quarter, like mm-hmm. on the far end of like Bourbon Street. Those houses are so cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no release date, right? Nope. It's, I mean, that's, it's, it's was just announced. So, right. Be patient. Universal, who knows when that'll actually fucking happen. Probably just dump it on Hulu. So, we must have talked about this before. I don't particularly recall it, but this seems like something up our alley. Uh, Guillermo del Toro was working on an At the Mountains of Madness film. Um, Yeah, we've definitely talked about this. Yeah. And it it sounds like it it might not be happening so much... um, I mean, he's been like trying to do this for like years and years. I want to say since like 2006 or something. It's like, and I I wonder what the problem is, he, because he is Guillermo del Toro. He's made blockbuster, award-winning films. He's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Why are they not making this? It's H.P. Lovecraft. H.P. Lovecraft is so hot right now. Um, I, I just don't understand what the holdup is, but um, even though it sounds like we're probably not getting the movie, we, we may be still getting it in a smaller, weirder form. Uh, in a conversation with the Kingcast podcast, that's redundant. <laughs> it's like Kingcast, we get it. Yeah, that's like saying the. The Grave Plot Cast podcast. I don't like that. It's terrible. Uh, host Eric Vespi and Scott Wampler uh, <laughs> asked Del Toro about his dream project now that he's established that he's established a working relationship with Netflix on the upcoming series Cabinet of Curiosities. His reply was, "Take oh, was right, yeah." He originally wrote the script in two thousand six. Okay. Uh, take a wild guess. Which were the first projects I presented to you, you know? Cocksuckers. <laughs> you fucking cocksucker. Uh, I went through the cupboards and found The Count of Monte Cristo at the Mountains of Madness. Or Ma- yeah. Uh, and those were a couple of the ones I presented first. The thing with Mountains is the screenplay I co-wrote 15 years ago is not the screenplay I would do now. So I need to do a rewrite. Not only to scale it down somehow, but be because back then I was trying to bridge the scale of with ele- of which elements that made it somewhat be able to Is Yeah, that ju- No, it's not just you. I was trying to bridge the scale of it with elements that made it somewhat 
be able to go through the studio machinery. You you know. I don't know if that B is supposed to be there. Yeah. <clears throat> it's somewhat able. Or that it might just be bad bad English, I guess. On account of his native language is Espanol. Yep. Uh, Del Toro described a weirder, smaller, more esoteric version than the larger scale, big budget project he planned. Over so that's probably years. why it never happened. It's probably just the... so. Guillermo, we understand you want to make this movie. We think it's great. HP Lovecraft is very hot right now. What do you need? Uh, four hundred and fifty million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, even if that was the case, fifteen years. Well, what came out? I mean, like Hellboy. Those movies have got to be close to 15 years old, if not that old. Yeah. Those are huge budget movies. The Shape of Water, huge budget. It's like he's doing a large budget films. I just I don't get why this one was such an issue. I mean, I maybe just the the massive scale, like it's just not I mean, really the only thing that I could f- that I feel like would probably be putting up roadblocks with studios uh, is just the content. It's like, oh, nobody will watch that. Nobody cares about Lovecraft. That's such a niche or a niche audience. Um, but it's not so much anymore. A lot, of, a lot of that Lovecraftian stuff has really expanded in the broader audience. Maybe not directly. Maybe not. You know, this is not an interpretation or adaptation of a Lovecraft work. But, you know, Lovecraftian type stuff, like Lovecraft Country. I mean, obviously his name's in the title, but, the, you know, these things were based very subtly on Lovecraft mm-hmm. stories. Um, let's see. Right now I'm developing two screenplays, one of which I think will be right away next. I'm busy finishing Pinocchio, producing Cabinet of Curiosities in Toronto, and I'm settling down for the post-pandemic sort of domino effect. Everything that I I had spaced out for three years, all of a sudden, the deliveries came all at the same time. But it is my hope. This guy, man, he's one of those filmmakers that's just like, yeah, I'm going to make this, and then 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 this. And you're like, you're not making most of those. Yeah. It's like... How many different things did he say he was going to make? And just like they fizzled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, he's he's kind of like, he, he's one of those guys where it's like he's going to blow smoke up your ass and like you got to take a lot of things he says with a grain of salt because. Most- I also feel like he says, I'm going to make this movie when he like wrote a script. And it's like, well, you still got to find somebody to pay you for it. You got to find actors like. Right. Just because you wrote it doesn't mean you're making it. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's see. Uh, the would be Lovecraft would be H.P. Lovecraft adaptation tells of a disastrous Antarctic expedition. Yeah, expedition that encounters unspeakable horrors after discovering discovering ancient ruins. 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 So, um, yeah. I don't have much to add about that. I, I'm not a big Lovecraft guy. Ugh, excuse me. Um, so I don't know a lot about At the Mountains of Madness. Um, but I know it's a very popular story. 
I do. I feel like I remember at one point he wanted Tom Cruise to be in it or Tom Cruise wanted to be in it or was attached or Tom Cruise was in, was a name that was floated around. I don't remember what the context was. But then people are like, Tom Cruise. Ew. <laughs> <clears throat> yep. So look out for that, guys. I mean, it seems like, I, I mean, don't look too hard. Well, yeah, let's, you know, when it shows up, if it shows up, then you can watch it. Yeah. But don't think about it too much. Right. It's like waiting for a pot to boil or waiting for Christmas. It's like, if you think about it too much, it's just never going to come. Yeah. Uh, uh, la, 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 la. But yeah, I mean, so I feel like a lot of these directors are getting like these, you know, these really functional relationships with um, Netflix or just streaming services in general where they're doing a lot of work for them. Like Mike Flanagan's a perfect example. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's almost like Netflix like owns his career now, um, but uh, you know if if Del Toro's getting to bed in Netflix, I mean he's been doing a lot of stuff for them. Um, I, I mean doing like that Troll Hunters cartoon, Troll Hunters, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, I think it goes back that far, and then I mean, that's been several years. Um, I know he's done some other stuff. I can't think of it right now um but you know if he's if he's building this relationship with netflix then it's stands to reason that you know they would probably well cabinet of curiosities is coming out on netflix right um but yeah it stands to reason that if he's passionate about this then they'll probably make it happen yeah so all right guys well that's gonna do it for horror business just a, a short four-story one here this this time I'm making up for too much time on the last episode, I guess. Um, All right. Well, from here, you know what we do, Taylor. We do what we do when we do what we do. We do what we do when we do what we do. (laughs) (laughs) Movie reviews. All right. Um, okay, so we've got two movies, you know, like usual. Yep. Except for the last one. Three movies that took... I don't know how we talked for four hours with three movies. We've done three movies before, and it was not a four-hour episode. No, we just did Fear Street, like, not that long ago, and it wasn't that long. Right. And that was with Horror Business. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's Ghostbusters, and you I think that's talk- the thing, we were just like, fucking Ghostbusters! <laughs> I'm busting. Busting makes me feel good. <laughs> uh, anyway, but yeah, just two this time, guys. You know, like normal. So don't worry. Uh, you can unclench your buttholes. <laughs> um, or the butt cheeks. Because your buttholes kind of always clench. That's how you keep the poop in. <laughs> yeah. Unclench your butt cheeks. If, if, you're, if you're being very tight butthole right now, then just loosen up and be loose butthole. <laughs> That's how we're colleagues. They're always like, you're being very tight butthole right now. <laughs> uh, all right. So, yeah, we've got one movie. Uh, These movies have nothing to do with each other. No. Uh, 
you know, both fairly new movies. Actually, brand new movies. They just came out. Well, Last Night in Soho came out. It was in theaters. Yeah, it just came out on VOD. Yeah. <laughs> For $20. Yeah. <laughs> that was a kick in the knackers. Um, and then also a little film to, guys, to get you guys in the holiday spirit, sort of. Uh, Black Friday. Yeah. Uh, which one are you going to start with, Taylor? Let's start with Black Friday. Black Friday, we love toys. We still on for pancakes tonight. Chris, you're on reg for the night. We're short staff. Wait up. I'm Emmett. You ever worked retail before? No. Well, there's no day more harmful to retail workers than this day. Oh, what do we love? Toys. Good job. Laces, everyone. Three, two, go, baby. Go Black Friday. Thank you very much. Happy holidays. Oh, holy shit. What the f There is something wrong with the shoppers. Oh, we gotta do something. We're one hour into Black Friday, and we're escorting customers away from the store. No, 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 no. Was that the new guy? Our shoppers are going crazy. Whatever you do, don't let them gather. They're building something. At this point, we're just in their way. We're gonna have to fight. I don't think this night can get any worse. <laughs> Does anybody else just think that's funny? I told you they never die. We have to make a run for it. Exactly. Black Friday is over! He says we're all going to die. Back up, homie. I love it here. The police are here. Thank God. It's the time. Got you right here, All right, so we get this cold open at a, uh, I mean, it's a store. We don't know what kind of store, but it looks like it's like a, a superstore. It's called Allmart. Right. And uh, this guy, Monty, is, well, first he's kind of walking around the front of the store and people are like banging on the windows already. Right. And he's like, you know, what time did they show up last year? And like the guy responds or whatever, and he's like, "Man, these people are fucking savages," or whatever he says. Mm. And so then he's he's hanging this you know big Black Friday banner, and all of a sudden something crashes through the roof and splats down in the floor next to him. It kind of looks like a big meatball. <laughs> it's just this big undulating mass, yeah, of meat. It's mm. big big meat so wad, meaty. And uh, Monty goes to check it out, and it like opens up and shoots something into his face. Mm -hmm. And then we see Monty's coworkers come in, and they're like, "You know that motherfucker had one job; he couldn't do it." And then, uh, yeah, they see the banner he's putting up. Like, look at banner, Michael. <laughs> I was like, it wasn't even halfway put up, was it? No, I don't think so. Did you notice yeah. that banner? 
I mean, it just said Black Friday, but it had like, like this horror movie yeah. font. Like, I don't know if this is like, I don't know if that's the tone you want. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the guys just like, he sees something kind of scuttle under a shelf and he's like, Monty. And then we just hear him scream. So we and don't know. We don't know. Then you hear. Whoop, 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 whoop. Yep. Zoidberg. Yep. Because <laughs> he scuttles. <laughs> yep. And then this guy screams. We don't know what he saw, but he screams and then we get, you know, Black Friday. Yep. The title card. Like yeah, I got it. That's, that's, that's what they do in movies. <clears throat> uh, we're then introduced to Ken Bates, played by Devin Sawa of Idle Hands fame. And final destination. It didn't dawn on Casper. me. It didn't dawn on me until like three quarters of the way through this movie that I was like, the two leads in this movie both got their hands cut off. <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> Yeah, so Ken is, you know, he picks up his coworker, Chris. It's Thanksgiving night. They gotta get ready for the big Black Friday sale. Uh Ken has two daughters, he has to drop off at his ex-wife's house. Um, they're, they're like, dad, we had Thanksgiving breakfast. How sad is that? <laughs> they're, they're, I don't know if it's their stepdad or just their mom's boyfriend or, or, or what, but just talking so much shit about him. He's like, like he wears Axe body spray. <laughs> Guys, I got to tell you, if you are over the age of, let's say 17, you should not be wearing Axe body spray. I don't know that anybody should be wearing Axe body spray. Anymore. Nobody should be wearing Axe body spray. But I understand being, you know, having been a teenager who could not afford cologne, Axe body spray in moderation will do the trick. In moderation. In moderation. Which is something that a lot of teenage boys do not grasp. Every time I think of Axe body spray or any body spray, I think of um, Hot Fuzz when he's just like, pub? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember when I wore Axe body spray Just like A little spritz on my neck One quick one under each arm That was all I put on And one under the balls Sure, yeah you, If you got a date Sure You want your Balls to smell like Phoenix or whatever the fuck that musty. is musty <laughs> <laughs> Or musky Not musty You don't want musty <laughs> No <laughs> Uh, so Ken and Chris go to their job at We Love Toys, which looks like it's kind of like a cross between Toys R Us and like KB Toys. Yeah, but it's, a, it's a, just a massive toy store, right? But which it looks so sparse inside, which is weird. It did. It looked like a like a Goodwill or something. Yeah. Um, we're introduced to some of their other coworkers, uh, including Marnie, who is Ken's work wife, I guess. He's, he seems to want to be more, and she's just kind of... I guess they, they made out once. Yeah, this is uh, Ivano Baccaro, uh from Pan's Labyrinth. Mm. All grown up. But she's like... She's young enough to be his daughter. Yeah, so they make mention of that at one point. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird stuff. And like... He always whole... wants to take her out for pancakes. Right. And like, th- up until like... Almost the end of the movie where they discuss that. Like, I'm just thinking, like, are they, like, just not going to acknowledge the fact that there's this huge age gap here? 
Nah. It's fine. It's a, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's Devin two, Sawai. 2021. He's, he's dreamy. He's <laughs> <laughs> fucking Casper, guys. Uh, we also see Michael J. White as Archie. Oh, you know, I see this from Idle, Idle Hands and Final Destination. You didn't fucking say Slackers. Slackers, SLC Punk. Sure, yeah. Both of them. Yep. Did you see the sequel? No, I never did. It's not great. That's what I heard. That's why I never watched it. Compared to the original, it's just sad. Plus, it's got Machine Gun Kelly. It's like, what? What are you fucking doing? Uh, that's no good. Yeah. Uh, also, Brian, who is the, I think he's the assistant manager or just floor manager. Yeah, I think probably assistant manager. Uh, as well as the store manager, uh, John, played by the incomparable Bruce Campbell. And his mustache. And his mustache and bow tie. <laughs> and cardigan. His his We Love Toys cardigan. <laughs> this is a... I mean, he was... So he had a lot of screen time. But it seemed like this was a really reduced role for him. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't the main character, for starters. But mm. Also, I don't know. Just It was weird to not see him be like the focal point. Be like kicking ass? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, he's getting old. He knows these are the kind of roles he's going to be taking now. Uh, So, you know, they get the big rah-rah speech and let's go out there and sell, sell, sell. By the way, you're not getting time and a half. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) But but corporate sent a cake. (laughs) Um, Chris is also a big germaphobe, which doesn't really come into play it's just this weird character trait yeah i mean there's like references to it but they're not they're the kind like of he had to jump in garbage at one point that was like the big him, him like overcoming it yeah yeah it's kind of inconsequential yeah uh but so they open the doors and all these people you know knock each other over to get in um uh ken is just like sitting there at the front door just watching people come in not giving a fuck because mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he's been there for 10 years i think they say yeah my favorite part of his whole character is when the the new guy emmett yeah uh comes up to him he's like hey uh i'm emmett i'm just starting and uh i was told that you kind of show me the ropes and he's like yeah for sure you know the first thing i gotta teach you is you know customer yes you know, like customer service or something like that it's like you know being able to uh, direct people correctly. And um, he says, like, you know, if somebody, if a woman comes in and says, I want to know where your Dunkin' uh, yo-yos are. Hey, he says, my motto is, think like an idiot. That's what it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, think think like an idiot. <laughs> if a woman comes in and asks where the Dunkin' yo-yos are, what do you tell her? Like, he's like, oh, I guide her to the aisle where the Dunkin' Yo-Yo's are. He's like, no. You say, oh, they're over here, you, and you, you gesture you, wherever you, the you fuck. You gesture broadly. <laughs> and it's like, how many times have you been in a store and somebody did that exact <clears throat> thing? It's like, oh, you know, or that way. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the old cliche about the, like the um, CD store clerk. You know, it's like, oh, do you have James Taylor? Did you check under T? Yes, I fucking checked under T. That's the first place I fucking checked. <laughs> and then I checked under J. Oh, I don't know. 
this is getting off subject, but fucking every, us no. <laughs> uh, you know, fucking record stores with you know they're not really around much anymore. But you know, a lot of places. I think Fye was especially bad about this. Is like they'd have things separated into genre and then alphabetical order. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't need this in my life. <laughs> Do one or the other. Yeah, preferably alphabetical. Yeah, because it's like it's not helping. Because if you've got like, you know, somebody who doesn't really fall into any one particular genre, it's like you got to go look around like five different places for this fucking mm-hmm. record, and, you, and ultimately, and just going to the counter anyway. And then they're just like, "Oh, we don't have that right now," <laughs> which they probably do. They just don't want to look it up. Anyway, all our younger listeners are like, "Why don't you just get it on iTunes?" <laughs> Um, but yeah, the shoppers are all, you know, beating each other up and stealing each other's shit. Beating each other off. Just beating each other off and just busting all over the place. Uh, and we see there's a little Santa's village in the middle of the store. And we notice that underneath Santa's throne, there's a little meatball. (laughs) Like Tony said, just undulating and pulsating and Mm -hmm. making squishy noises. Yeah. Um, you know, now that I think about it, it kind of reminded me of, um, what was his name from Aqua Teen Hunger Force? Meatwad? No. Oh. Well, I mean, yeah, it was like Meatwad <laughs> meets the guy who's like, uh, people like me. Oh. Because oh. I forced them to. Right. With violence. <laughs> <laughs> he had like a super generic name. It was like Jason or something. Yeah. Fuck. What was that? Uh. But anyway, so yeah, this thing is now in uh, We Love Toys, and the choppers start getting, not possessed, but just like, it's mutating them, and they got like boils all over their face, and Travis. Travis. Travis of the cosmos. Cosmos. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so... Uh, Emmett, the new guy that Tony was talking about, he gets attacked by one of these shoppers. And uh, so they all, they're kind of like, you know, everybody needs to file out of the store while we figure out what's going on. And then, you know, Bruce is like, this is terrible. He's like, it's Black Friday and we're pushing people out of the store. Like, mm-hmm. we need to just stay open. It's fine. Like, don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, Brian, Brian, Brian is the assistant, yeah. and Anita, they're all so laser focused on sales and, yeah. you know, you know, making their nut for Black Friday. Anita is this real kiss ass kiss. Yeah. She's like, she's obsessed with being employee of the month mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, she's just that type. Like, yeah. Everyone's worked with somebody like that before. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, but she uh she goes to check on Emmett and he like his face is just like a giant mouth basically. Mm-hmm. Kind of looks like one of the creatures from Feast. And he like shoots something into her throat and then like stabs back out the front and she just starts gushing blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. So so she's dead, so fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> these things that the these creatures shoot out of their mouths to infect others. Just looks like this fucking like 
combination of like Spider-Man's webbing and just like spoojums. Yeah, or like just throwing ropes. Like really thick like udon or something. Sure, yeah. Um man, there's not a lot I can really go into without spoiling stuff, but basically like all the shoppers start mutating and turning into these violent creatures and the store employees have to fight them off. Um there's inside Santa's village, there's some kind of giant pink thing that they're building and they like will get sucked up into it. Yeah. Um, or gather as Marnie said. And so we really don't know, like, obviously, I guess, assumedly, this is something that came from space because it fell through the roof of the Allmart. Mm-hmm. But we don't know. Unless they're flying through <clears throat> the sky and they just all of a sudden died at the same time. <laughs> There's a callback, guys. Was it a starling? It's probably starling. It's a starling. Hit the I've ground. never seen a starling before, so that could be a starling. I don't know. <laughs> Does that look like a bird you've ever seen in your life? <laughs> I mean, I guess if it hits the ground hard enough, this is a... Sure, yeah. Just explode I mean, into a meatball. I mean, I've, I've seen birds that have been like run over. It's like the only way I could tell it was a bird is because I saw a feather. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they're, they're kind of like zombies, but they're not really zombies. Yeah. And like they keep getting more and more kind of just gross. Um, there's a couple of them that are just naked. Right. Like at one point, Ken is like, I reserve the right to refuse service to anyone. You're clearly not wearing a shirt or shoes. <laughs> oh, got to talk about Dower Dennis. Oh, my God. Dower Dennis is my favorite. <laughs> Dower Dennis is, is this big floppy teddy bear toy. Wearing a button up shirt and a tie. Yeah. Hates his life. Yep. <laughs> he's like, he's, you know, he's a talking toy and apparently his hands go up and down i guess yeah but he's just like i had a terrible day at work <laughs> like he's eeyore basically like it's like i got a migraine i need to take a nap <laughs> but he, <laughs> my favorite was <laughs> my wife left me so i guess i could do whatever the fuck i want <laughs> I, was like, I was like wait did he just say fuck <laughs> <laughs> this is a children's toy <laughs> But it's been recalled because it's had problems with the battery pack starting fires. Yeah. Has nothing to do with the fact that it's a fucking depressing <laughs> indictment of the nine to five workday that also says fuck. <laughs> but no, because it has battery issues. But apparently it's like the most popular toy. <laughs> I, think, I think the last thing he says on screen is something like, well, it's been a long day. Thank God it's over. <laughs> it's oh like my every God, t- I want a dower dead. It's so bad. Every, every time, like, there's kind of a lull in the action, all of a sudden there's a dower dentist. Right. And just to bring the mood back down. And Devin saw was just like, not now, dower dentist. Right. <laughs> my wife left me. So I guess I could do what the fuck I want. Um. <laughs> oh Christ! Uh, I, I was thinking there's going to be more like toy-related violence. Yeah, that was like I mean, it could have been anywhere. Yeah, there's like somebody breaks a skateboard over somebody's back. Um, and Devin Sawa rides around on roller skates. Right. <clears throat> Emmett had heelys on. Right. <laughs> 
It's like, oh, yeah, I guess that's a thing a grown man wears. <laughs> like, Chris had a wiffle ball bat, which I'm like, that's not going to do shit. Mm. But he never used it. Yeah. Like, most of the defense against these creatures was done by um, Archie, Michael J. White. Right. He was looking swole. Yeah, he's always looked really fucking jacked. Like I know he was he was cut before because he was like a martial artist. Yeah, but now he just he's big. Yeah, I mean, I I think as you get older, you either have to keep bulking up or you just get flabby. That's true. I mean, look at the Rock. Like the Rock quit wrestling and then got enormous. Right, he's a fucking mutant, and it's awesome. Like, why isn't he Ben Grimm, dude? I for that Venom, I use the Rock as reference. Really? Yeah. Because he's fucking, <laughs> like, every muscle on his body just pops. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, like I said, I can't really give away too much more without starting to give away major plot points. Yeah. Basically, there's just this growing thing in the middle of the store that all these creatures are trying to get to. And they, you keep seeing them, like, run into it and then run out. And I don't really know what they're doing. I was having a real hard time following that. Um, yeah, you know, you mentioned they were saying that, like, oh, they're building something. It's like, are, are they? Yeah, what, like, in what context? Right. Are they, like, literally, like, physically building something? With- yeah. Um, uh, so, I had a problem with this movie because it seemed like it was really hard to follow. Not because the plot was complex, but because the storytelling was kind of all over the place. Um, it didn't seem to follow like one narrative, which is fine, but you know, it didn't. It's not like there were like you know there was like an A story and a B story, and they all kind of came together. It's just there was stuff just going on. It's like how am I supposed to follow all this and keep track of what what the plot is? driving towards yeah um and you know character wise it's like you know a lot of these characters drop off so quickly i don't even know who the hell they are and that's fine when you've got disposable characters like anita she didn't need to be around much like she served her purpose but you know like well i can't really discuss it too much i guess because um I don't know. There's just characters that kind of start just dropping off, and it's like, okay, well, I guess they didn't really serve any purpose for the plot then. Um, and I don't know. There, there was no, there was no character development like at all. No, and that's 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 a big one for me. Like, like if you're not gonna like process your characters and actually give them room to grow or that's that's the point of a, of of a of a movie or a TV show or a play or anything the character is supposed to be different than they are at the beginning otherwise it's just seinfeld <laughs> oh yeah like like ken devin sawa's character his whole thing is that he wants to make sure that his daughters are okay yeah but he mentions it like at the beginning and at the end and the whole middle it's kind of just overlooked right and and it's not like he was like a bad dad yeah, he actually seemed like he was a pretty good dad. Yeah, I mean, he, he would, might have been a bad husband because uh, they were divorced, so obviously something went wrong there. But uh, yeah, as far as like being a dad to his daughters, he seemed like you know they didn't want to go to their mom 
and hang out with her new boyfriend or stepdad or whatever he is. Right. They wanted to stay with their dad. So obviously they love him and yeah. he's a good dad to them. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like this. Yeah, it, I agree. It wasn't this character progression where he was like, you know, I've been a bad dad, but now I need to make sure I make it out of this for my daughter's sake so I can right. make things right. Yeah. Uh, it's, I don't know. I mean, that, that's just my major complaint, I guess, is uh, the, the, the storytelling was just kind of a mess. Like, I mean, you knew who the characters were, and you could kind of follow their relationships and stuff. Um, but as, as a whole, like as a cohesive story, it was just kind of... Uh, and it seemed like a lot of the stuff that you kind of space out over the course of the movie just happened in like the first 20 minutes. And then you've got an hour and 20 minutes left. We're just like, how are they going to fill this time? Yeah. And that's when the whole movie kind of started to drag because I think they shot their load within the first half hour of the movie. And the rest of it is just like, okay, <laughs> okay. And it's like they're all they're trying to get out of the store. And that's like the, the main goal, I guess. That's the MacGuffin. Yeah. And like I just... I feel like they're finding ways to make it complex in ways that aren't necessarily realistic. Yeah. Like, I feel like they probably could have gotten out of the store. Like at one point they have to, they go and they close the back door. So no more monsters can get in. And I'm like, why don't you just walk out it? Yeah. (laughs) And at at one point they're finally figuring out a way to get out. And I don't know. I don't don't want to get too far into discussing kind of spoilers, but I feel like the most like progression happens to Bruce. He he's the one that's most changed at the end than what he was at the beginning. Yeah, I, I guess that's probably true. Brian, they're like, hey, everybody thinks you're an asshole, and then by the end, you realize, yeah, he's a fucking asshole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's like a lot of the times you like think these, you know, these asshole characters are gonna have some kind of redemption, and just they don't. I mean, he tried to. <laughs> it's not really. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, like he humble bragged his way into it. Yeah. That was funny, though, when the thing was like. <laughs> um, yeah. I also had like a lot of the, a lot of stuff happens off screen. Like one of the major characters, <clears throat> like he's standing at a shelf and one of the, Udon noodles comes down and like grabs him. And then you, it cuts to another character. And then when it cuts back, he's gone. Right. And I'm just like, you couldn't have like shown him getting pulled up. Like that's, that's an easy effect to do. I would think like you just lower him and then you run it in reverse. Oh, or just put a harness on him and yank him up. Yeah. Speed it up. Yeah. And then like another character like opens a hatch and jumps in where there's assumedly a bunch of creatures down below. But then we never see that person again, so we just had, are left to our own devices what happened to them. Yeah. I felt like there were a lot of instances in this movie that would have been good for, like, homages, and they, they didn't, which is fine. I mean, like, it's not... What they were going required. for. Required, yeah, but it's like, oh, you could have made a reference here. Like, 
I feel there was one reference in particular where they could have easily, or there was one part in particular where they could have easily referenced either Evil Dead or Idle Hands, and they didn't do either one. Well, I mean, this might be kind of a spoiler, but there is a part where they talk about cutting off Devin Sawa's hand. Yeah. But it, if it, if that's a reference, it's thinly veiled. Yeah. Or, or thickly veiled. I guess, I don't know that's a phrase, but yeah, no, it's not. It would be thickly, yeah. <laughs> if, it, if it's veiled, it's a thick veil. Yeah. There's a big, thick veil. <laughs> big, thick, veiny veil. It's <laughs> a vascular <laughs> veil. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's my major gripe, I guess, is just the, the story progression was kind of not really there. Yeah. I didn't really have a problem with that. Teach their own. I know, I mean, like I said, I totally get what you're saying, and I agree with you. Um, and, you know, like I said, Devin Sawa was doing his Harrison Ford, I just want my kids. <laughs> Give me back my kids. Thomas Jane. I just want my, I just kids, want my back. kids back. <laughs> no, I'm Tom Jane. <laughs> um, it wasn't as funny as it wanted to be. No, in my opinion. And that again, I feel like that was a lot of the issue with the storytelling is that the jokes weren't really landing. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, guys, you know, people in here that were funny. I mean, yeah, there were there were funny moments, but I also felt like there was just a lot of jokes that just didn't land. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think I don't know. I think maybe this could have used like a, a rewrite, <laughs> not necessarily completely change the plot, just kind of punch it up a little bit. You yeah. Know? Um, because I mean the the dialogue. Well, I guess not so much the dialogue. The dialogue wasn't so much the issue. It was just the plot, the plot progression and the character relations and, and like ultimately the character development, which I said was like non-existent. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the story itself was admirable. It's the reason we saw it because it looked like it was funny mm-hmm. uh, and it did have funny moments. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of it didn't work. Yeah. Which is unfortunate pretty good uh creature effects i thought yeah for a movie that i didn't see having a very large budget it seemed like they did a pretty pretty good job with creature effects yeah especially like before they really kind of mutated when they just like had like the boils on them and stuff kind of reminded me of slither a little bit yeah um did you see who did the music for this patrick stump wait is that the guy from fallout boy yeah I had to ask my wife, I'm like, Patrick Stump, that's the guy from Fallout Boy, right? Yeah, he's a singer. Like, oh, I guess he did the music for this. Unless it's a different Patrick Stump, which I really doubt. It seems like a pretty unique name. Yeah, I mean the link on Wikipedia is to his Wikipedia page. So. Right. Anyway. Uh I mean I thought it was it was like I said, it definitely had its its funny moments, had its good gory moments. Um, but yeah, overall the story was just kind of like a bunch of things that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of seemed like 
they have this story where it's just like, okay, this alien thing takes over a store, turns people into zombies, and write the script. <laughs> and that's kind of just, that's what they did, is they just wrote a situation in which that happened. But it's like, you know, like I said, Seinfeld. That's what Seinfeld made its money with, was being so regular that it was funny. It's like having no character development, just these terrible people being terrible people. Uh, but in like these real life th- situations that everybody's experienced in one form or another. That's kind of how this was. It was just like, this is how ordinary people would probably react in in a situation like this, but real life isn't entertaining. You're right. <laughs> you you gotta put more into it if you're making if you're gonna put something on screen. So, um, anything else? Not really. I mean, overall, I liked it, but I do think it could have been a lot better. I think it had more promise than what was realized. Yeah. Um. I'm going to do a soft four. (laughs) I'm going to give it a six. Okay. Like I said, overall, I I did enjoy it. I did have fun with it overall, but there definitely were problems with it as well. Right. All right. Well, next up. We have the new film from director Edgar Wright, Last Night in Soho. Baby, you don't know what you're saying. So what brings you down then? I'm studying London College of Fashion. The room is on the top floor. It's perfect. I love it. If I could live any place in any time, I'd live here in London in the 60s. Most people ever get to their dreams. They're not just dreams. Jack, I don't want to do this. You think you can just walk away? They really happened. What did you see? Do you believe in ghosts? witnessed the murder last night, but you believe this was a vision from the past. The guy that killed her is still out there. I have to stop him. 
what you did. I've done a lot of things. You're gonna have to be more specific, love. You can't save me. All right, so Last Night in Soho, like I said, written and directed by Edgar Wright, um, who, of course, is famous for the Cornetto trilogy. Um, Scott Pilgrim. Spaced. Spaced. Baby Driver. The original director of Ant-Man. This is a step out of the normal for him, I believe. Uh, in that, if you hadn't told me this was an Edgar Wright film, I wouldn't have known. Yeah, I agree. I kept looking for things that are like, you know, that kind of signature Edgar Wright style. And uh, like, there was a couple kind of like close up, you know, how he likes those. He usually does them much faster, but they're like a really close up smash cut, you know, three or four of them in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Those were notably missing from this. I mean, I feel like he did something similar, but they were much tamer they were much like like slower like longer pauses each time on whatever it was showing mm. like when she was like putting the records on it wasn't as dramatic sure <sighs> oh, shit. um okay so this movie focuses on eloise or ellie um she's a girl in england who grew up in cornwall which is never been there but apparently very rural boonies type area you know it's funny (laughs) you know like as an american i hear like you know rural boonie countryside area and i think like enumclaw or like you know sacramento Uh, (laughs) um but then like in England, they're like, oh, yeah, they live out in the middle of nowhere. And you see it, and you're like, that's fucking adorable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, so, okay. It's funny. When this movie was announced and, you know, when it was when it came out and everything, it's just like, oh, yeah, Last Night in Soho. And for some reason, even though it was an a English director, an English cast... You thought it was New York? I immediately thought it was so New York. (laughs) And then it's like started, and I'm like, and like, you know, she's saying she's going to art school in in London. In London. In London town. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, so Ellie, uh, she. So with this girl, Thomas and Mackenzie, we. Me and my girlfriend nailed it down that we think she looks like a more kind of mousy Abigail Breslin. Sure. But her voice and her cadence and stuff is like straight up Juno Temple. Sure. Yeah. Like, I'm, you know, Juno Temple, she has that just like real, like almost Cockney accent, mm-hmm. Ted Lasso. And I'm trying to hear her without it. And like, <laughs> I can't. That's, that's all that resonates in my head. Anyway, so yeah, Ellie, she's a countryside girl. Aspirations of being a fashion designer. She's very inspired by the '60s, um, who she, which she kind of picked up from her mom, 
who was also very into the 60s, um, also a fashion designer, also very dead, um, which we don't pick up on like right away. Like she's she's in her room, she's dancing around in a newspaper dress that she made, which I assume was for for patterning. Um, I think it was just a Thirty Rock re- or a Parks and Rec reference. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she's listening to some old '60s records, and um, I think she she hears somebody call for her from somewhere else in the house. And she looks in her stand-up mirror, and there's this woman standing behind her. And she says, oh, it's good news, isn't it? This woman doesn't say anything. And then she turns around, and the woman's not there. Mm-hmm. So instantly we know, okay, Ellie sees ghosts. Yep. She sees dead people. Um, she goes to her her, her gran, who's uh, downstairs, who just brought the mail in, and hands the her- The post. A, the post, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, everyone. Hands sorry, her- England. So hands her a letter from the uh, was it the London London College of Fashion. It had two different names. It was, I think it was like the University of. I was say it was U A L, but University, University of, of Arts, Arts London. <clears throat> That's what it was. Um, yeah, uh, they also call it LFC later. LFC London Fashion College, maybe. Or maybe LCF, but yeah, like her roommate. LCF. Her roommate calls it LCF or LFC. Okay. And I was like, wait, I thought it was UAL. Yeah, I think it was the the. Is it like the branch of the UAL? Yeah, kind of like how like like Harvard has a law college mm. within Harvard. Um. Anyway. So yeah, she gets a letter from the the college saying that she's been accepted into their fashion program. So she just immediately, she goes up in her room and starts getting ready, throwing things into a bag, and she, you know, she's ready to go. And her, her grandma is basically telling her, I really want you to be careful because London is not a great place. It's very dangerous. It's very big. It's not what you're used to, and I just want you to be safe. And she's you know, basically saying, I'll be fine, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. She's like, you know, a lot of people there don't have your gift. And I think she says something, oh, well, there would be a lot of other talented people there. And she says, no, your gift. Yeah, it's just, you, they can't feel things and see things like you can. Right. Um, and she says, I, she's like, have you seen your, I think she said, have you seen your mom lately? Mm-hmm. Or her mom. And she's like, no, I haven't seen her in a long time. You know, Which, like a liar. Right. Because she just seen her like 10 minutes ago. Right. Um, so she's packing up and she's ready to go and she gets a car or taxi or whatever the hell it is. Somebody to drive her to, to, to London. She arrives and uh, checks into the dorms. Or she like immediately like when she gets to London off the train she gets into a, a cab and the cab driver is just a creep. So just like right off the bat, bad impression of London. Yeah. He's, she says that she's going to the fashion Institute and he's like, Oh, you're a model then. Right. She's like, no, I'm a fashion. Designer. he goes, we got the legs to be a model. Right. And just like, uh, so where are you going? He's like the student housing. 
And he says, oh, all of you supermodels staying together then? It's like, I'll be, I'll be uh, sure to stop by more often or something like that. Something creepy, yeah. It's like, dude, is this... And then he lets her off at the shop and he like sits outside and waits. Right. Like, dude, is this how you... Is this, Does this work? Is this how you want to present yourself to Jesus? <laughs> um, and uh, anyway, so yeah, she eventually shows up to the, the college at the uh, at the dorms. Um, she meets her um, roommate, Takasta. Uh, Takasta. Is it Jacasta? Jacasta, yeah. Um, who is just this typical bitch i mean like she's just like very competitive and like like she's talking about how her mom died when she was 15 um and then uh ellie says that oh yeah my mom died when i was seven and she's like oh that's well, easier yeah then. it's probably easier being younger huh and you know then she and then she's like telling other girls in the dorm and then you know, just con- constantly in competition with everybody. Story to- topper. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and uh, so. So Ellie she moves decided, out. Ellie yeah. moves out because she can't fucking deal with Jocasta. Yeah. She's just, she it's, it's too much. She doesn't want to live in the dorms anymore um, because she finds, she, didn't she realize the girls are talking about her behind her back? Yeah. Because she handmade her clothes. Uh, that she was wearing, and you know, Jacosta at first, like, oh, this is so brilliant and, and brave, so, of so you. impressive that you made this yourself. Yeah. And then they're dogging on her behind her back, and she's like, okay, <laughs> we're getting out of here. And she finds because yeah, they went out to the party, and uh, um, Ellie was pooping, and uh, <laughs> Jacosta and her friends came in to do blow, and they were talking shit about her, right? And so that's when she just says, okay, well, fuck it, and um. She packs up her shit. She moves into this uh, bed sit, or basically just a uh, mother-in-law. Yeah, yeah, mother-in-law apartment type thing. Yeah, she's a you know like a little floor with a, a one room and a bathroom. Yeah. It's not a bed sit. It's a flat. Yep. Space. No, I got it. Yeah, yeah. Because I told you. Um. So she yeah she finds this place who's in the the place the house is owned by uh, Miss Collins who's just a very stingy old lady I guess yeah well, I mean it sounds like she's gotten burned before from people staying in this room so she's like I need four months up front basically yeah she's like I need first last and two months deposit no male visitors after eight o'clock right all these different rules um and you know. Ellie being the quiet, mousy girl she is, she's the yes, that's no problem. Um, and uh, at first, she loves it, and she's she's excited to have her own place. Um, and I think it's the first night she's there, she lays down to go to sleep, and is instantly transported back in time. London in the sixties doesn't say specifically what year. Just some period, some time, goddamn, sometime during the swinging 60s period, 
Uh, you know, she's looking around. She sees Sean Connery's Thunderball, big poster over the mm-hmm. theater, and you know the old-fashioned double-decker buses, and and you know she's in the '60s. Uh, she wanders into a club, um, and doesn't really know what's going on at first. But then she looks over into a mirror, and in the mirror she sees this beautiful blonde um, who's making every motion that she is. Um, it's Anya Taylor Joy, right? Uh, and so I, f- I forget some action initiates it, but we like basically change places and there's a lot of that stuff going on like kind of like this subtle transition between ellie and um sandy sandy where it's like i mean they they basically come this become the same person Mm -hmm. in this dream world that she's in um and but it also still kind of seems like ellie is watching because like she'll be in the mirror She'll be Sandy's reflection, but she'll be like, she won't be, you know, like normally if you have your back to a mirror, then your, your back of the head is going to be reflected, but it's like Sandy will have her back to a mirror and we see Ellie looking at Sandy. Right. Um, and so there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on throughout this whole movie. When she goes down the stairs and there's like all those mirrors, that was so cool. Yeah. And then actually <clears throat> later in the movie when she's in her apartment and the ground is like, like, even though they're like wooden floorboards, they like shatter like glass Mm -hmm. um so yeah a lot of usage of mirrors and kind of a duality of you know your reflection um it's a a huge element of this movie um so yeah sandy she's uh she walks down the stairs into this club um where uh callie black who's a, a singer um, sorry, Scylla Black. Yes, um, a British singer from the from the sixties, um, is performing in the club, and she goes up to the bartender, <clears throat> asks to see the owner, because she wants to sing there. And bartender says, "You know, well, where have you performed before? Nowhere." Oh well, she's very confident. She is for someone who like has no experience. Which makes her development weird. I'll, I'll get to that. So she says, or he says, okay, well, you know, that's, that's very confident of you. The owner's not here, but I think the guy you want to talk to is Jack. Pan over to Jack, played by Matt Smith, who you know from Doctor Who or um, The Crown. Uh, and you know, a multitude of other things. It's so funny, you know, other things. Uh, it's so funny that like I've seen him in so many other things playing dramatic roles, but my mind still like he still goes back to being the doctor, yeah, just this really whimsy or whimsical, goofy guy. Um, even though I've seen him play like Prince Philip. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, so she goes to him and kind of flirts with him and, uh, you know, says, I want to perform here. Um, and, you know, they just kind of get swept up in this, this whirlwind of kissy faces and and stuff. And, because Jack punches that other guy in the mouth. 
Oh yeah, yeah. The guy called her a slut, and Jack's like, "Boom!" Yeah. Um. And then they went and necked in the telephone booth. Right. Um. So. Was this? And then Ellie wakes up the next day and she's she's got the the mark where right. where Jack had bit or they call it a hickey, but it doesn't look like a hickey. Looks like half of a hickey. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and so she's not sure how that happened because as far as she knew, everything was a dream. Um, so, yeah, and so we, we bounce back and forth between, you know, Ellie living her day-to-day and, you know, she's, she's becoming very inspired by Sandy in her, in her work, you know, her very glamorous 60s-style wardrobe. Um, and starts, you know, reflecting in her work and her teachers, you know, admiring it, you know, saying it's so brave and, you know, this and that, even though it's like, these are six, these are styles that went, went extinct, you know, 70 years ago yeah, or 50 years ago, 60, 60 years ago, right? Cause we're in 20, 40, 40 years ago. 60. Six, 1960 <laughs> would be 61 years ago. Yeah. So, okay. 60-ish. <laughs> but yeah, these are fashions that went extinct 60-ish years ago. It's like, how is that brave? <clears throat> it's already been done. Right. Or, you know, how, how, it's not revolutionary. I don't understand fashion. Fashion's bullshit. It's stupid. And especially like high fashion, stuff that you're not actually supposed to wear. They're just supposed to walk down a runway once. Yeah, it's like, oh, look, I designed this thing with like a giant peacock feather coming out of the shoulder. Look how amazing it is. And then it's like, okay, cool. Kids are still wearing Zubas and bucket hats. So, <laughs> um, anyway, so it just becomes this um, kind of amalgamation of Ellie, like I said, attending school. She starts flirting with this other student, Jack. John. Sorry, Jack. Yeah, John. Um, who seems kind of like as awkward as she is. Yeah. Um, you know, being tormented by Jocasta, uh, constantly being competitive and, you know, just a, a bully, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, transitioning back to Sandy living her life back in the 60s. Um, a lot of this movie, like, is, like, you're spent trying to figure out if what she's dreaming is real. Are these just dreams, or are these like her visions, or she's imagining, you know, ghosts from the past? Um, it's never especially clear because, like, at one point she goes to Miss Collins because you see that Sandy actually lived in the same apartment that. Ellie now now lives in right. So at one point she goes to Miss Collins and say, "Hey, do you know a girl named Sandy who used to live in my apartment?" And she basically says, "You know, there have been a lot of girls that lived in that apartment." Because, like you said at the beginning, she mentions that she's had a lot of girls that a lot of them just kind of up and disappear in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. and that's why she's so protective of you know her new tenants. 
or not, not protective, but cautious, I guess. Yeah, that's why she wants four months rent right. up front. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, over time, we start to see, like, the the life of Sandy becoming less glamorous. Because mm-hmm. at one point, Jack actually takes her to another club to audition for to sing. The Rialto. Yeah, but then we see her just performing as a backup dancer in another act. Yeah. So not quite living up to her ambitions. And she then, went downtown in her audition. Right. I haven't done that in 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, you can forget all your troubles, forget all your cares. Downtown. Downtown. <laughs> Let's watch that episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, why would your boss give you code in a in a fifty year old song? Ah. <laughs> uh, anyway, actually, I guess it would probably be more like thirty years at that point. <laughs> Um, Still, though. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, and so as Sandy's life starts to degrade, kind of so does Ellie's because she come, becomes more, not paranoid, but eccentric, I guess. I mean, uh, she she becomes, like, obsessed with Sandy's life. Right. And, like, she, like, can't wait to go to sleep so she can experience Sandy's life some more. Right. Um, to the point where she's, like, almost neglecting her schoolwork. She's neglecting this relationship with John. This is kind of starting to bud a little bit. Um, Which he hangs in there a lot longer than a lot of guys would, I feel like. I'd be like, you know what? I don't need this white girl trouble. This is is not worth the effort. You're not even letting me smash. (laughs) Yeah, and he's like, he barely knows her, and he's just got this, like, I'd do anything for you mentality. It's like, dude... I mean, first time. <laughs> um, yeah, and so like, yeah, these these two separate lives that she's kind of living in 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 tandem, both kind of start to degrade, and um, it's kind of a spoiler. I'll skip over it. Uh, anyway, so. She uh, just, I don't know, she's like trying to figure out who Sandy is, if Sandy's real, if she ever existed. Well, and it starts to like, it's it's no longer just when she's sleeping now. She's seeing Sandy and other people from the 60s just in her day-to-day life. Yeah, it's, yeah, spilling over into her waking hours and people are starting to think she's insane. Mm -hmm. Um. I think that's kind of all I can say without getting to spoiler territory. I think so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is, like I said, a really different movie for Edgar Wright. I've seen everything he's done, and I don't recall anything being like this. I have not seen Baby Driver still, but... Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Um, that, that That's more of an action. That I'd probably put that more on par with, like, Hot Fuzz. Yeah, I can see that. Um, 
but you know, like a legitimate action rather than something they're trying right. to make into an action movie. Not a lampoon. Right. Um, you lampooning me, meat drapes? <laughs> <laughs> you want to cry or you want to die, guy? I can make you cry, guy. I'll punch you in the <laughs> eye, guy. Uh, Jesus, how many how many dicks you got, champ? Uh, anyway, um, yeah, really different Fred Wright. Um, it felt even even though half of the film took place in modern day because of cell phones. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole thing felt like a 60s film. Like something you would have seen from like Kubrick or um um Scorsese or not Scorsese. The pedophile. Polanski? Yes. Kind of along those lines. Um and I mean that that obviously was very that made a lot of sense with the, with with Sandy's life mm-hmm, being right. that it took place in the sixties, <laughs> but to have that same kind of feel in a, in a modern day, to where it kind of felt like like a sixties film, almost almost giallo, a little bit. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I got some. I felt a lot of Kubrick. Uh, yeah, I stylistically. Could see that for sure, yeah. This felt very Kubrickian, um, but yeah, and so like the fact, like I said earlier, the fact that this was so outside of what I've seen from Edgar Wright. If I didn't know he had directed this, I like somebody would have to tell me. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have no idea. Um, I don't know how, how much of a horror this was. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like when Edgar Wright announced this, he was like, "My next movie is going to be just straight up horror." Right. And I was like, "Where is it?" Yeah. And yeah, this is more of a thriller. Like there are some supernatural elements, you know. Obviously, with Ellie having these, you know, she sees dead people kind of thing. Right. <clears throat> but yeah, it's it's really more of a thriller than a horror. Right. Which is fine. Uh, I mean, just in kind of led us astray. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz I mean I, f- I feel like we both probably would have seen this anyway, but we may have not done it for the show. Exactly. Um but Yeah, no, I mean it, it was it was good. It, it was very good. It's a good movie. Um a little slow at times, but Yeah, it is 2 hours long. Yeah. Um Yeah, I, mean, I was sitting watching there watching it this morning and uh like I think I was about I felt like the movie had to have been almost over, but I was like halfway through it. Yeah. Like, shit, I hope I finish this before Taylor gets here. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it is a long movie, and it's at times it can be a bit of a slog. Um, just cause It does get kind of repetitive a, a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always like something interesting to see, especially like in the flashbacks. Um but just kind of like the the roundabout nature of it going from Ellie going to fashion school and then you know going home and going to sleep and dreaming about Sandy just it kind of became a little routine i guess i liked when Ellie tried to like copy Sandy like not when she cuz she does do her hair at one point but like at the very beginning when cuz 
in her vision, you know, Jack punches the guy in the face and he like sweeps her out and he goes, let me give you a ride home. It's the least I can do. And she says, what's the most. And then the next day, John brings Ellie a Coke cause he drank her Coke mm-hmm. at a party that they had. And he was like, here, it's the least I can do. And she's like, what's the most. And he's like, what? She's like, nothing <laughs> stupid. <laughs> he does kind of the same, a similar thing later in the movie. I can't remember what the line was. John does. Yeah. It's after the Halloween party. They're out standing in the rain. God damn. Uh, I don't remember. It's, it's, it's similarly, similarly, yeah, similarly corny, but I can't remember what the line was. Um, oh, and when she said she didn't want to go to sleep and he said, I can keep you up. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> and then he's like, what am I saying? Yeah. But I was like, all right, John, <laughs> get it. And then he's like, oh, God, stop stupid. stupid. Like, oh, well, man, you, you probably could have had her there. So but you know, girls like confidence, and you just blew it. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very, uh, very stylized, very stylized, very, very pretty, pretty. The set pieces are great. Um, and for him, for Edgar to be able to capture the '60s so well, to where it actually feels like it's a '60s movie. Yeah. Not just a movie about the 60s, but one that actually may have been filmed in the 60s. Um was was very good. I mean, he's what in his 40s maybe. Probably. Yeah. Maybe early, nah, probably early 50s I'd say. But, you know, not old enough to have experienced the 60s. So I can't imagine the amount of of research and and you know, reference that must have gone into his uh uh in, into designing his his sets and i mean a lot of that is obviously credited to the art department but 47 47 okay um but yeah that that's obviously mostly the art department being having yeah. an eye for detail but um to capture it so well is very a, a testament to Edgar Wright and, of course, a cinematographer, which is Chung Hu Chung. Yep. Man, I kept waiting for little, like, Easter eggs. Because I'm so so used to, like, the Cornetto trilogy where, like, there's little spaced references thrown in. Yeah. And, like, um, at one point, I think think it was Ellie, goes to a shop, and you, you never see the shopkeeper, but you could hear him and it's an Indian guy. Mm. And so I was like, is that Nelson from Shaun of the Dead? <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Chung, wait. Chung Chung Hoon. South Korean cinematographer and filmmaker. Best known for his collaborations with director Park Chan-wook and other films such as Me and Earl and The Dying Girl and It. And he will serve as cinematographer for the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Oh. He did Dasipo Naughty Girls. Ooh. Oh, my. Which is a uh, musical comedy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so not whatever you're thinking, pervert. Oh, he did Zombieland, Double Tap. Yeah. Oh, he did It. I said It. What? Fucking guy. You, when you just say, "Oh, he did it," I'm a, it, my mind can't process that. 
I don't, I don't know what did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're such idiots. Um, it? Out? <laughs> <laughs> and he took it out. It? Out? It's funny, uh, the lead actress in this, Thomas and McKenzie, I always thought, I saw The Witch with Anya Taylor-Joy. Mm-hmm. Her character's name in that was Thomason. I'm like, that's such a weird name. Oh. But here, the lead actress' name is Thomason. She was in Jojo... Uh, the Indian Circus Boy. Huh? The Indian Circus Boy. <laughs> uh, Jojo Rabbit. I never saw that. I, you know, people say it's so good. And I really like... Um, Take away TV? Yeah. But... I couldn't make it through it. Hmm. Like I just kind of spaced out. Like it was still on. It ran the entire length of of the film. I just didn't watch most of it. Hmm. Uh, anyway. So I thought the end was predictable as fuck. Yes. And also like some of the effects in it I thought were a little hokey. Which ones? And when she's going up the stairs, like all the glass effect. Yeah. Like the, the effect itself was cool, but just like the way that it was done, I thought was a little, I don't know. Oh, well, I mean, there's only so many ways you can make wood look like glass, I guess. <laughs> I, I'm like, it wasn't the effect itself. It was just the, the way that it was used. Oh, I see. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess was, I think it was, it was too over the top it. for me. Fair enough. I would like something more subtle. Yeah, I I liked it, but you know, to each their own. Um. Yeah, no, this was this was a solid movie. Yeah, um, I quite enjoyed it. Great acting all around. Um, she's really liked it too. Did you? Yeah. Well, good. It's just hard to find something that we both enjoy that much. I know the feeling. Uh, hell of a cast. Um, I mean. Thomas and McKenzie, who I think probably, as far as branding goes, probably didn't have as much recognition. But like I said, Anya Taylor-Joy, Matt Smith, Terrence Stamp. Um, I guess those are probably the most recognizable names. I don't know. There, there are a lot of British actors in here, so they might be on like BBC shows, and I just have right, no idea who yeah. they are. Um, but yeah... Great cast, and they all did really well. Um, oh, wow. Edgar Wright first conceived the idea of Last Night in Soho in 2007. He pitched the plot, describing it as a dark valentine to London and the Soho neighborhood. To the producers, Nira Park, who he worked with on pretty much everything, and Rachel Pryor, before the start of the filming for The World's End. Huh? So this goes back a while. Wow. looks like he was inspired by his parents coming of age stories in in london so it looks like this probably had a lot of him himself in it nice anyway uh great soundtrack um really puts you it puts you in the element and you know puts you in that time it really cements that feeling. 
you know, yeah. having that soundtrack. <clears throat> kind of like how, like, I mean, going back to, like, Austin Powers, that whole 60s, swinging 60s soundtrack, you know, mm-hmm. um, really so little of the movie actually takes place in the 60s, but really puts you in that element, you know. Yeah. Um. Anyway, anything else to add? I don't think so. Okay. The ghosts were creepy as fuck. They were. Uh, and they kept like changing. Like, yeah. Their faces would m- morph. Yeah. I couldn't really tell if they were like morphing more into themselves or morphing into different people. At times they did like change to different they people. They did definitely change to different people at times, but. Um, but yeah, they, they were cool looking. Uh, very simple, but cool. Yeah. Looking. Um. Yeah, fun movie. Well, not not so much fun, but good movie. Yeah, enjoyable. Again, not really horror, so don't go into it looking for a horror movie. Yeah, like there's ghosts and there's there's, there's some creepy parts, but yeah, as far as like a balls to the wall horror, it, it's not. Yeah, I'll give it a. Seven. I'm going eight. Well, all right. So yeah, check that out. Um, it, like it's on on demand. Basically, all the places you can find it. Actually, both these movies are uh, on on demand right now. Last night in Soho is early access, so it's twenty dollars. Yeah, but you know, if you're a Edgar Wright fan, if you're into um, you know, these kind of like ghosty thrillers it's worth your money. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you've probably paid money for dumber movies, so. I definitely have, yeah. <laughs> because of this fucking podcast. Right. <laughs> it's like, I wonder how much money I'd have if I didn't spend it on movies that I hated. <laughs> on things like Easter Bunny Kill Kill. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right. Well, that's going to do it, guys. Yes, sir. It's the end of the show. The end of the line. Um, we're going to be back in a couple weeks with a brand spanking new episode for you. It's going to be our, not only our Christmas episode, but our last episode of 2021, guys. Yes. Uh, it's <clears throat> been a hell of a year. Um, but we'll get into that next episode. Taylor, what are, what are we going to be watching? We're going to be watching Mercy Christmas and Christmas Evil. 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 So look out for that, guys. Uh, and that's going to actually come out after Christmas. So Yeah, the 29th, I think. Right. Um, so, yeah, uh, just say now, happy holidays to you. I think we're still in Hanukkah, right? No, Hanukkah is over. Is it? Yeah. Oh. Well, I hope you had a happy Hanukkah. Have a, a Merry Christmas. Joyous Kwanzaa. Joyous Kwanzaa. Whatever. Other. Happy Festivus. <laughs> uh, happy. No, we already had the winter solstice. Hope everyone had a, had a guten Krampus knocked. Right. Whatever other winter holiday you may celebrate. Merry happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, we'll get more into the festive spirit next episode. Tony's going to wear his hat. I am going to wear my hat. I'm going to wear a shirt. <clears throat> Thank you. Christmas shirt. You're already wearing a Christmas shirt. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's December. Snow's out, hose out. Get it? Yeah. Because it's Santa. 
Yeah, he says hoes. He's like he's three hoes. Yeah, in different, in different area codes. <laughs> okay, guys. That's ludicrous. <laughs> All this and more on the next episode of the Grave Plot Podcast. Until then, Taylor, where can people find us? They can find us at graveplotpodcast.com as well as wherever you listen to your podcast. And that's wherever you listen to your podcast. All the places! Rate, review, and subscribe if that's a thing that you can do. Uh, leave us five stars so more people can find us and we can get big and take over the world and make money. <laughs> money making's good. <laughs> uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as Grave Plot Podcast or on Twitter as Grave underscore Plot. And of course, check out graveplotfilmfest.com for information on the 2022 Great Plot Film Fest or check out patreon.com slash Podcast for exclusive content. Is that everything? I think so. <laughs> All right, guys. So until we speak again, I'm Scaler Tony. I'm Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. You came into my life like rain upon a barren desert. One smile and I was born again. I felt sure it wasn't.